Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Passover sermon by Rabbi Elliot Dorf. During the Starim, we all look at the master story of our tradition in great detail and get a lot of meaning out of that, which is exactly appropriate for this time of year. But what I'm going to do today is zoom out, 30,000 feet up as it were. After all, that's appropriate for a philosopher. I'm a Luftmensch, right? Just ask my wife. Um, the, um, so I'm going to zoom out and, and take a look at, our, um, at, at this master story in comparison to the other master story that we're all part of, namely the American master story. Um, by the way, since it is Easter today, let me also mention that uh, I had a student a long time ago by the name of Michael Goldberg, uh, who went through rabbinical school and then did a doctorate at Graduate Theological Union in narrative theology. And one of the books that he wrote was Exodus Sinai and Passion Resurrection, Jews and Christians Getting Their Story Straight, right? Um, and what he did in that book was compare the vision of who we are as individuals and who we are as a community and what we should aim for and what we should try to avoid in the Jewish story and in the Christian story. But today we're going to look at the Jewish story and the American story. If you will, in your Siddur, turn to page 453. This is a reading that, as far as I know, is the only reading that was both, it was, was in the, the Silverman Sabbath and Festival Prayer Book, 1946, that virtually every conservative synagogue used until Sidur Sim Shalom came out in 1985. It was in Sidur Sim Shalom, and it's in this one as well. Um, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's one of the favorite readings of my hometown rabbi, Rabbi Louis Switchko. We would read it at least four times a year. Um, as part of services. And what it does is basically say that, well, Americans' biblical heritage, right? That all of the things that we hold dear as Americans, we also hold dear as Jews. And this, of course, was exactly what the, the second generation of American Jews, there have been Jews in America since 1654, but if you talk about the first generation of Eastern European Jews who came here in the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, this is my grandparents' um, uh, uh, generation. In my parents' generation, this, this particular reading really struck home because what they needed to feel, what they wanted to feel, was that their being Jewish and their being American were one and the same thing, that there were no conflicts whatsoever between their American identity and their Jewish identity, and that's the point of this reading. There are, in fact, a lot of overlaps between uh, our American identity and our Jewish identity. Um, for one, uh, both of those traditions uh, take the individual as being really important for very different reasons in American ideology as opposed to Jewish ideology. Um, <clears throat> the, um, in American ideology, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are treated equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. So I am an individual with rights, and that's why I'm important. Whereas in the Jewish tradition, I'm created in the image of God, and that's what, why I'm important. Similarly, in both traditions, uh, both traditions want rule of law to the point where even though the highest authorities in the, in the community are subject to that law. Um, that's true in, in the American tradition where presidents can be impeached. 
Um, and it's true in the Jewish tradition where the king has to have a copy of the Torah with him at all time and, and is ruled by that. That's Deuteronomy 17 and 18, right? So those are two very important overlaps in, in our two traditions, and, and they really pervade our lives in a lot of ways. Um, but there are some real differences also. Um, and one of them that I want to focus on today is the issue of liberty, because this is, after all, Zman Cherutenu, the time of our liberty. What does liberty mean in the American tradition? Um, that this liberty, that, you know, that it's, it's, we have all these self-evident truths that we have liberty. Um, well, this comes out of the, the American tradition, of course, comes out of the Western liberal tradition, people like John Locke and Rousseau and Montesquieu, right? These are the people who framed the, the notions of liberty. <clears throat> but in the American, American form of that, um, it really, the American form of it actually takes it much, much, much further than other Western European countries do. Um, in the United States, you can even sue the government. Um, in the United States, the individual liberty, just look at a series of Supreme Court cases, um, really comes, becomes enshrined in the Constitution as a result. Uh, not just the ones that are in the, in the um, you know, in the first ten amendments of the Bill of Rights, uh, but those, that Bill of Rights has really been expanded a lot by subsequent Supreme Court decisions. Uh, I am, that, what it means is that I'm able to do anything I want to do as long as I don't hurt you. Um, that's basically the, and it's putting it much too starkly, but that's basically the American understanding of liberty. Whereas in the Jewish tradition, what is this liberty that, that is man cherutenu? Well, it's not, only the, it's not the liberty of us as individuals, it's the liberty of the community. Right, that we were saved, we were no longer slaves in Egypt, that we were now a free nation, and therefore we're, we're, we're able to do what? To do anything we wanted to? No. On the contrary, our central story is we leave Egypt not as individuals, we leave as a community, and we get to Sinai and we don't get a single right. We get 613 commandments. I do a lot of, uh, of interfaith work, and one of the things I do is teach uh, teachers in Catholic high schools, uh, most of whom themselves are Catholic, and I tell them that this is the beginning of Jewish guilt. And they tell me, you don't know anything about guilt. We have that conquered, okay? Um, so, but in any case, what it does do is give a very strong sense of being integrated within a community with duties. Now, very some, rights and duties sometimes are reciprocal. So if I have a right to this talit, that means that you, you have a duty not to steal it. But rights and duties are not always reciprocal. For example, my duties to my children are different from their duties to me, right? And in any case, if I get up in the morning and I'm an individual with rights, then the world owes me. But if I get up in the morning and I'm a member of a community with duties, then I owe the world. It's a very different understanding of what, what our self-perceptions are, right? And I want to take it down from 30,000 feet up and talk about three very specific ways in which that has a result in terms of how we understand ourselves, both as Americans and as Jews. <clears throat> One is in regard to the vaccination project, <clears throat> sorry, for COVID-19, where... <clears throat> Let me just tell you from a Jewish perspective, there is no Jewish reason to avoid being vaccinated. There may be a medical reason, that's a whole other story. But there is no Jewish reason to avoid being vaccinated because that's a communicable disease and we have a duty to the other members of our community 
to uh, help them stay safe. But for that matter, we have a duty to God to keep ourselves healthy as well, right? So I don't have a right to refuse to be vaccinated. Whereas in the American tradition, as you've seen, unfortunately, in a lot of places in this country, um, that governors of several states in this country have very much refused any kind of vaccination mandates, right? I would say to you that that's American liberty run amok. A second example of this is the duty to rescue. In the common law, if somebody's in real trouble and I happen to be passing by, I don't have any duty whatsoever to do anything, right? Um, and as a matter of fact, until fairly recently in American law, if I did try to do something and something untoward happened, I could be sued for whatever problems arose, right? But then a number of states passed good Samaritan laws to at least protect me from that. But there are only 10 states in the union that have, uh, that have legislated, it's by legislation, not, not by the common law, a duty to at least call 911 if you see somebody, right, that is in trouble. Um, but the, the penalties for not doing that in those states are really rather minimal. In Vermont, it's a fine of $100 if you don't do that, right? In California, it's a little bit more than that, but uh, California is one of those states. Um, but, in the, but in the common law, which, which actually just is bringing forth the American or the Western notion of liberty, I, if you're in trouble, that's your business, it's not mine, right? Whereas in the Jewish tradition, Leviticus 19, you may not stand idly by the blood of your brother, which the rabbis understood to mean that if you see somebody drowning or if you see somebody accosted by highway robbers, you have a duty to try to, to help those people. You have to take care of your own life first. Um, uh, I was a long, long time ago, um, I became a senior lifesaver at Camp Ramon, Wisconsin. And one of the things that they taught us was this mantra, right? Um, um, uh, throw, toe, row, go. You don't go out and, and try to save the person, you know, sort of macho-like, right? You first of all throw like an inner tube to the person so the person can try to save him or herself and while you try to get other people to help. If that's not available, then you, 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 throw, you, you, you throw rope out to the person and tow the person in while you're still on the land so you uh, endanger your, your life as little as possible. If that's not possible, you row out to the person so by the time you get to the person who's drowning, you're not exhausted and only as a last resort do you go out, that is swim out to the person in order to try to, to help that person. Well, the same sort of thing is true in, in, in Jewish law, your life comes first. Right, but you do have to uh, to try to help others who are in distress. Whereas in the American tradition, that's at, at, that's that's certainly not required, except in ten states, and even then, only minimally so. And the third example I want to give you is poverty. Right, we have a lot of uh, laws in our in our tradition that require us to help the poor. Not at all required in the American tradition. You can take a tax deduction if you do it correctly, right? Um, if you do it with a registered agency, you can take a tax deduction. But there, there are no penalties whatsoever in American law if you don't give any charity whatsoever. And for that matter, uh, the, the language I'm speaking, English, is primarily a Christian language. It was created by Christians still to this day. Ninety-some percent of people who speak it as their native language are Christian. Um, and so it's really interesting that you get the word charity comes from the Latin caritas, which means caring. You are an especially caring person if you give charity, right? 
Whereas in Hebrew, tzedakah comes from tzedek, meaning justice. It's just the just thing to do. It's required of you. It's not something that you're going out, you know, that you're such a wonderful, I mean, you should do it, by the way, and you should feel good about it, okay? But, but, but it's a duty on our part in the, in the Jewish tradition in a way that it's not in the American tradition. Now, that doesn't mean that the American tradition is bad. On the contrary, I'm very proud to be an American. Um, American individual rights have, have allowed for a lot of creativity, for a lot of protections of our, well, all of the things in the Bill of Rights et al., right? That's, that's very precious, and it's certainly not something that exists in every other society of the world. In a lot of them, those rights are really suppressed, right? American individualism has also led to, uh, an American pragmatism has led to a lot of inventiveness. A lot of the, th the medicines that we have, a lot of the machines we have, all of those kinds of things were, were made right here in this country. Right? And we need to be proud of that. I think we should be proud of that. Right? There have been real bumps along the way. Slavery, of course, being one major one with, with, that still has ampl implications for us today. Anti-Semitism 100 years ago in the 1920s, there was a lot of anti-Semitism in this country. Ultimately led to the change in the immigration law in 1924 to stop a lot of our, a lot of our people from coming in, frankly. Um, and the, so, I mean, there have been some real bumps along the way, and it's not that America is perfect. No society is. But truthfully, the Jewish tradition has had its bumps as well, you know, in regard to the place of women in the tradition, in regard to the place of gays and lesbians in the tradition. But in both of these traditions, there are attempts to try to, to ameliorate the problem, at least, if not to resolve it completely. Right? So it's not that either tradition is perfect, but I'm very proud to be an American. And by the way, this is the most pluralistic society that has ever existed on the face of the earth. Um, since again, it's Easter, I'll tell you that a, a priest friend of mine told me <clears throat> that in the in Los Angeles Archdiocese, mass is offered in 80 different languages. It's not just Spanish and English, in 80 different languages, right? And they, and they do it because they have, they have people that speak those languages, right? We are, among the, we are the most pluralistic society that has ever existed on the face of the earth without some bumps. I mean, with, with some bumps, I should say. But compare what happens in this country with what, what's happening in Europe right now with the Muslim immigrants, especially in places like France, right? It's a, so, I mean, I think there's a lot to be proud of as Americans, right? But I think you, one needs to understand that being an American and being a Jew is not what this would lead you to believe, namely that it's one, 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 one uh, tradition that just has had two different expressions, right? There are definitely some overlapping values between our tradition as Americans and our tradition as Jews, but there are a lot of important differences as well. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.